Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Adventure League and the Season 9 rules, as well as an odd older spell called Delay Death. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Saturday morning in June. Sun is out, summer's out, but that's also a good time to still game, so lots I hope games. you're gaming. Yeah, lots and lots of games. Uh, I'm playing games I am. Uh, today, lots of games. Um <laughs> We're doing this, and then I'm streaming over on the Greyhawk channel for a new show that I forgot the name of, but if I look at Twitter, it should tell me. <laughs> Quick. Uh, nope, it doesn't tell me, but uh, it's called like the... Oh, man, I feel bad now. Anyway. <laughs> should have put it in the notes. I should have put it in the notes. Always but, put it in um, the notes. Oh, it's in... This makes for really, really great television, guys. Uh, Seekers of the Scorpion Crown is what uh-huh. we are playing. Um, so Faerun Jordan, Forgotten Realms Jordan, is going to the Greyhawk for a little while. Um, but we're playing BX D&D, which is like basic, uh, like original D&D that came out. Well, this is like an updated version of the original rules that came out in the early 80s, I think. Um, and Lex Mandrake's running at Dink Dungeons TV. So he's mm-hmm. really, really excited for it. And... Um, we had to make three characters because he's afraid that our characters are going to die very quickly. So mm-hmm. I made a fighter, a cleric, and an elf. And I think I'm going to play the cleric first. And then if my cleric dies, I will switch over to something else. But I like uh, how indoor adventure calls you traitor because you're going to play in Greyhawk. But I think that just means if you play a game in Greyhawk, that means you have to do some lore videos of Greyhawk now. Ooh. So it's just it's part of the contract. So. Yeah, that, that could be. <laughs> The new Greyhawk Explains channel coming to you this summer. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that'll happen. I've been reading a little bit about it because as a cleric, I was reading up the deities and stuff to see which one I want. And it, mm-hmm. it is, it's just another, like, just like the Forgotten Realms was when I first started. It's this rabbit hole of information that you're like, oh my gosh. Um, There's so much. Like, and that's when I started with my channel. Is I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so confusing." Somebody should organize all of this into a healthy YouTube series. So there you go. <laughs> that's exactly how my last channel started. So maybe this will well, and playing basic starts. Dungeons and Dragons. That's that's old school as old school gets. That's OSR as OSR gets. Mm-hmm. It's it's back when the game was very interesting to play. You know, very lethal, very clunky, yeah. very not modular. Um, Lex put it really well where he said yeah. that, you know, current 5th edition D&D, monsters tend to have more hit points and lower AC. So you hit more often, but you kind of like chip away at this monster. But mm-hmm. he said in BX D&D that a lot of the monsters have really high AC and few hit points. So like nobody hits, but then that one wizard gets a dagger stab and he ends up killing the monster. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, 
it's a different. So it's harder to hit, but mm -hmm. when you do, it's more lethal, yep. which I do kind of like. It make it changes the dynamic of the game. It does. It's very, uh, it, yeah. It's just kind of it puts. I don't know. Like I'm wondering if you feel like you are doing something if you actually land hits, and that's why the the mentality was changed for fifth edition D and D. To, mm -hmm. or even 3.5 in, in earlier editions. But the, the idea of like people want to hit, they want to know that they're actually doing something. And then this earlier version, it was like, well, it's actually really difficult to hit. So, but I love uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. And so Lex kind of said, he's like, you're probably going to love this too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and it's part of my goal is uh, in 2019, I wanted to try and play earlier editions of D&D. &D. Like you were talking about wanting to play fourth edition, I which do. we should still do. And I should run a fourth edition game for you, a one shot. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to, I never played, I played second edition, advanced D&D, &D, but I never played third edition. So I kind of want to try a third mm -hmm. edition game too. I played a bunch of three and three, five played a bunch of a D and D I skipped four for somehow. It was just like, that was the most, it wasn't because it was a, uh, I was on the fence or I was on the bandwagon of it's not good or it is good or yeah. whatever it was my whole life. I think I went to computer gaming and I was doing MMO gaming. So world of Warcrafts and all that happens during when fourth edition gets released. So I'm not even into tabletop RPGs at least for three or four, maybe mm -hmm. 10 years there. And then I'm like, no, I want to get back into it. And, and you, what's funny is it probably correlates to the down slope of MMOs for me because there was the, in the early 2000s, MMOs are on the rise. Everybody's making one. There's a bunch of them out there you can play. A bunch of franchises are doing them and they're really good. And I love, and, but you've got to sink hours and hours and hours into those types of games. And I think that probably pulled me away from the tabletop stuff. But once now there's only like one or two out there that are interesting to me. Most aren't anymore. They're on the they're on the slide, and uh, now I'm back into tabletop role playing games all of a sudden. So I think that was my correlation for um, yeah. How, how no, it worked. I I played a lot of MMOs or one MMO in particular. I played a lot of, and yeah. I found that tabletop games filled that MMO itch or that niche for me. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and it was just less time intensive and more fun and you're actually like hanging out with real people not that like because i made internet friends you know you make friends when you play mmos um mm -hmm. but uh i just i don't know like it, it's like i i look back and i'm like i should have been playing tabletop rpgs this whole time yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than like sinking like five years into an mmo but you know <laughs> six one half a dozen the other anyway uh lots of fun um we have some news to talk about oh also i wanted to say i was really excited that my channel hit fifty thousand subscribers as of this morning Yay. so that's really cool so we're halfway to 100 which is uh the really cool one because youtube sends you like a plaque that says congratulations yeah, on getting cool. 100 um <laughs> so uh not that I'm like jonesing for that or anything, but like, it's just really cool to see the channel grow and to see that. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody um, mm -hmm. who is, subscribes to me and follows me on uh, the Jordan uh, Forgotten Realms Explained uh, channel. That's really cool. Um, I just released a really fun video about rules and it's a D&D &D quiz show featuring some podcasters and other YouTubers. So you should check that out. And then this Wednesday, I will be doing part two of the quiz show with different contestants. Um, and I just finished editing that last night and it's all uploaded and the thumbnails done. So it's just 
currently waiting to be published on Wednesday, which is really exciting to have an entire weekend free of editing. Dude, nice. <laughs> you, just, you, just game. you just concentrate on gaming. You just concentrate on gaming because uh, I'm doing the show. And then after the show at 1 p.m. Pacific, we're doing the Greyhawk show. And then at uh, after that show is done, at four or five, I'm going to my friend's house to play actual D&D, which we usually play on Sundays, but we couldn't play on Sunday. So we switched it to Saturday night tonight. So I'm going to go over there and play D&D. So it's just going to be this long, <laughs> long day of Dungeons and Dragons, which is amazing. Let's be honest. Yeah, the, the Lucian version of the show, I got to do the test run while he was testing out Oh, the out quiz the show, idea. yeah. So we got to run through it, and I argue too much. So he was able to narrow his questions to be more perfect, I think, for the people that he was going to ask. So you probably won't see me answering them, but I didn't get 100% either. And Maybe I'll make a Lu- I did record you, though, I think. Maybe yeah. I should make a Lucian only video and like we put it up scene, on the Saturday morning DD show. <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, and thank you for that. That was really awesome because I was yeah. like, I need to like test these. And then you were just like, no, I think it works like this. And you helped me get the questions right. Because if yeah. I got these questions wrong, the internet backlash would have been awful. Oh like I'm already yeah. getting it where people are just like, no, Jordan, action surge gives you an extra bonus action. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It I, I, I quadruple checked, guys. It doesn't give you an extra bonus action. <laughs> yeah. You literally get one bonus action. So stop arguing with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stop at me. Stop at me, guys. <laughs> Uh, it's, no, it's pretty good. so fun though and I'm really proud of that video so if you haven't checked it out um, I think you guys will enjoy it and I think you'll especially enjoy, enjoy the uh, the next Wednesday one because I took a lot of the constructive criticism that people had about the first quiz show video and, and improved on the second one so well I even mentioned on Twitter not to I mean not to harp on the on the video at all or even to keep talking about it because you know we got all the other stuff but I thought it was really cool because it shows people who are dungeon masters who do run games. It's okay not to know every single rule and still be a good dungeon master and still be able to play because all our games are really good. Our players love our games. Even if I got one or two of those rules wrong, it doesn't matter. The game still plays. And that's, I think what people should take from it. It's nice to know the answers and it's cool if you learn something, if you're like, Hey, I didn't know that's how that actually worked. Like there were two things in there that I picked up that I had no idea. The plus two bonus cover when somebody's between you and the other person, I somehow had missed that that whole time. I thought it didn't matter at all and it was in there. So it's pretty cool. I got to add that into my game and use it. But it's the idea that even if you get it wrong, you can still have a fun game. It's mm-hmm. okay if you change a rule or you forget a rule, just keep the game going and have fun with it. And I think that's how the contestants took it. Oh, for sure. And honestly, that was the point. Um, and I had some contestants that were just like, so what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you aiming at? Cause they were, they were thinking like, you're trying to make me look bad or something. And I was like, Oh no, 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 that is not the case. It's, it's mm-hmm. totally what I want people to take away from the video is that, um, anyone can be a dungeon master. You don't have to know the rules. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Celeste got like a 68 or a 70% on hers. And yeah. she's well, even the, Nate's wasn't very high. And she's yeah. the <laughs> dungeon master for the venture maidens. She runs yeah. an actual play D and D five E podcast. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is like, you look up rules when you need to look up rules, but you, or you rule them on the fly and just have fun and keep going. Yeah, or we have a lot of home rules that we use, and then we typically forget what the old rule was that we changed, so that all of a sudden when we're asked what that is, Mm -hmm. we might not remember what it is, we just know how we do it now. Mm-hmm. right we're like i know we changed grappling for some reason we didn't like the way something worked about it exactly. so we just yeah. this way 
but when somebody asks me the grappling rule, I have to think, okay, this is how the grappling rule works. So yeah, I think it'd be, it, but I do think it's a good way. It's not to make people look bad, but for these people that are doing advice shows and then they show up on the quiz show, I think it is fun for them to at least try to kind of put up or shut up a little bit about, <laughs> you know, being able to give advice to people and, you know, actually knowing the rules and stuff. And collabs on YouTube are always fun. So I've done a couple of collaborations in the past and they're just a blast. So this was also fun. So it's good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, enough about Jordan and his channel, but uh, uh, yeah, what's going on in the guy. world of, of D&D news? That guy. Uh, so we pretty slow again. We're a couple weeks past um, the Descent, the big 2019 live event. They did say they're already starting to work on the 2020 live event. That's they're, they're in the meetings and the plannings for that, which makes sense because we already know through just them always saying it, they have a pipeline that's two, three, or maybe even four years already planned out what books they want to come out with. That's how far ahead they are. So it doesn't, it does, I bet they already know what book goes for the live 2020 and they just haven't told us yet. They, oh, you know, absolutely. So cool. I bet they know books like five years out. Like Yeah. And so they've got a lot of content already in the pipeline. So that's cool. So we saw a couple of lore you should know videos, which are always cool. We love lore stuff. They talked about uh, the warlords of uh, Avernus and they talked about the hell riders, which is, um, I hadn't really heard much about them, but it's a group that's near Baldur's gate and has some interaction with Baldur's gate. So if you're looking to see some more lore that has to do with that, it was, I, I didn't know if you'd heard them or come across any of those two um, while you were doing any of your lore videos. Does Hellriders or any of them show up for you? Uh, nope. <laughs> I'll be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, it was, was all like, okay. like news to me. And I wonder if it's lore that they're creating now um, rather be. than diving into older stuff. But I didn't watch the videos, yeah. so I'm not sure. No, most of it sounded like it was, they talked about when it started to come, when they started talking about it or what mm -hmm. version that, and it sounds like a lot of it's older stuff. Um, it's just stuff I hadn't heard. Because I think it's because I haven't adventured around Baldur's Gate that much. So there hasn't been a lot of need for me to go and find that lore, mm -hmm. but I've done a ton of Waterdeep. So understanding what's around Waterdeep, I know a lot of that stuff, Long Saddle and, you know, all these other um, Yarter and, um, you know, just that whole area is filled with all the adventures that they've done. So you get a lot of history out of that area. Or if you get the Dales, if you're talking about Elminster and where they're from and Cormier and all that, there's a lot of books that were based on that. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of that. But I haven't done a lot of Baldur's Gate because I didn't play the video game. Now, I think you did quite a bit. You play a lot of the Baldur's Gate video game. No, I there played... There must be a lot more in there, right? There. Well, here's the thing is I played... So just so people know, I played half of the first one. Um, and I got distracted because that is my curse with video games is I get very distracted. Um, and I hear the second one is infinitely better. Not that the first one was bad, but I hear the second one will actually like grab mm -hmm. you and hold you because it's really good. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't started that yet. But um, I do know the story of it because I made a video on Baldur's Gate. But the story, the video game of Baldur's Gate doesn't have a lot of lore in it. It's actually just a story that takes place in Baldur's Gate. Kind of oh, okay. like Neverwinter Nights is the same thing. Like Neverwinter Nights, you don't go, you don't, I mean, there are, there are cities, like there's the, there's temples and stuff in Neverwinter Nights where you're like, oh, this is in Neverwinter and here's the different districts of Neverwinter. But for the most part, it's a story that takes place in Forgotten Realms that just happened to like start or take or, or is around Baldur's Gate is kind of the idea. 
Yeah. Um, so, and I but think that's why I the history more. of Baldur's Gate is actually really interesting. And if you're interested in that more, I did make a lore video on it, um, mm-hmm. which leads us to the next news item, next which news is really item, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely go check out those lore. You should know it's a lot of stuff about Baldur's Gate and uh, descent to Avernus. But which specific, we'll, uh, before we jump not. ahead, you were like, you written, yeah. wrote in our notes here, the soul coin. Like what was the, the two lore things about that? that I thought were interesting that grabbed me is they talked more about the soul coin itself okay. and how it works and what it is. It's the and, currency of, of Avernus. Of right? hell. Yeah. 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 Of at least the first layer, but it did sound like it might be the currency of other layers too. It may not be all of the layers, but some of it and how it came about and how and each coin isn't just like it's a certain value of XP or gold pieces or whatever. It's like whoever that soul is trapped inside that coin makes it as valuable as it might be. So if it's a a paladin of a good god, that's way more valuable as a soul coin than mm. say the one that's of you know some super evil person. Yeah, right? that's that's nothing for them. That's a that's a small soul because coin. that was they're, easy. They're all the to same, get. but yeah, yeah, that soul is already evil. But if they get a good paladin, that makes it. So I thought the way they described that, if you're wanting to get into what the soul coin was, there's a good video where they dive into that and they talk about the war machines more in in that so if you want to get more of an idea of what's going on with the war machines because i think many people are interested in that and that portion of that adventure um so it'd be cool to hear more about that kind of stuff yeah for sure So i was just pointing those out that they go into more detail with those two things though Mm -hmm. i didn't really you know try to i didn't pick out anything i hadn't heard yet but i just thought if you haven't heard it go check those two videos out and that's on the D &D, um youtube channel you can just watch those yeah but then we we saw the news that came out that they are doing a computer game Baldur's gate 3 which is pretty big there's there's a huge following of people that love like you said critically acclaimed Baldur's gate 2 um Baldur's gate 1 or the neverwinter games and so they're going to jump in and do Baldur's gate 3 now i haven't done any of those um, so I'm kind of, I don't have much more to add to that, but I know it's coming and I know a lot of people are excited about it. I played Divinity Original Sin 1 and really liked it. And I hear Divinity Original Sin 2. This is, I need to like play the second one. Uh, same with Baldur's Gate 2, because they said that one was like amazing, like super great. I, when you play it, let me know. Cause I want to jump in with you because it lost me in the really? first hour of it. And I can't. I couldn't get going in it. So I don't know if maybe I'm playing at the same time as somebody else and we can figure Ooh, things we, out. Yeah, because it we, was, if we played together, that could be a lot of fun. We should do that. Yeah, it could be good. Um, but uh, it's the same company that made that. And it seems like, because we got a game called Sword Coast Legends that was kind of supposed to be like fifth edition rules, isometric RPG. But mm-hmm. it turns out that it wasn't fifth edition rules it was like skill trees and kind of their own like rpg thing and i don't know why they didn't make it like fifth edition rules or if they just didn't want to at the time but it sounds like Baldur's gate 3 will be like definitive you know rolling dice behind like how neverwinter nights was for 3.5 like rolling dice behind the attacks and stuff and actually having random number generators create hits and things like that and using the yeah. fifth edition math to build the language of the game. So yeah. it looks really cool. If you haven't seen it, there's a really awesome trailer for uh, it's not any gameplay, but it's just a, a full motion video trailer. 
um, but it shows the seramorphosis, uh, which is uh, the process of a human being turning into a mind flare because that's how we get new mind flares is they implant little slugs in your brain that eat your brain mm-hmm. and eventually change your whole body into what a mind flare is. And that's how mind flares yeah. reproduce. It's really creepy. We've never actually like seen it before. And so it was just like, Oh, Oh, that's different. And like, okay, mm-hmm. that, that man's dead now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really awesome trailer. It was super exciting. But yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 has such a huge following that it kind of made sense to do another Baldur's Gate game. And I think with this production company doing um, uh, that, you know, made a Divinity Original Sin, they already have like really good game making skills to then take and apply all of the fifth edition rules to. So it could be a match made in heaven. It might be this really awesome fifth edition video game that we're, we're waiting for. So mm-hmm. it reminds me of the, was it Kingmaker Pathfinder? Yeah. Pathfinder. That was the same thing where it was an isometric RPG, but it used the Pathfinder rule set, um, mm-hmm. which was really popular. So, yeah. Um, going back to sword coast legends, they, they had it on steam for a while. And then I saw a message that said, we're going to be taking the game down. So if you want to buy it now before it goes away. So I think if you go to steam and try to get it now, you can't, but I picked it up and I haven't played much of it. It's one of my, hopefully down the road, I want to play maybe on the channel is that sword coast legends. But I also got, they had a tomb of annihilation one. Um, yeah. Candle it's a different Key, game. Tomb of annihilation game. They're different, but yeah, same material, but different style games. But I thought those would be cool things that might show up on our channel at some point if we played through them or, or goofed yeah. around with them, just to see the digital versions of the Dungeons and Dragons thing. I did play Neverwinter online um, in that one. We played for a little bit, and it's an interesting one. Didn't um, it didn't capture me for more than, yeah. say, a month or so, but I know there's a lot of people that still play it, and they, and they put out tons of content for it. So it's great that we're seeing more computer games come out, even though we're still kind of in that renaissance of the kind of the the tabletop role-playing game. I think it's really cool. And I think I was watching, uh, Jim Zub did a TED Talk that he had mentioned on Twitter. So I went and watched it. I don't know how long ago he did it, but it wasn't too long ago. And he had mentioned that the rise of um, tabletop role-playing games, they think in the last few years has been kind of the, we went through this phase of playing computer games and being a little bit more isolated and now people are wanting to get back to that communal sitting around the table, mm-hmm. hanging out and playing with each other kind of mode. So we're kind of going back to that analog version of the game because we had fun with the digital stuff, but th- there's something about the analog that also no. we seem to want or we enjoy. And we, I we 100% agree. I think that's exactly yeah. what it is, is that is that we we just so many nights was spent by yourself in front of your TV with a controller and yeah, you like talk to other people over the, but it's just a lot more fun to have, Oh, like let's invite the Smiths over and we can play a romping game of tomb of annihilation or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, and then that in turn, like it's kind of funny because you have like RPGs and then video games made all of their RPG nests based on the pen and paper RPGs and now it's come full circle where people who grew up with RPGs and video games are like, we can play this on pen and paper. This is cool. And they like, you know, it's, it's come full yeah, circle. Yeah. And, and Skull kind of the next point I was going to make that Jim had brought up. These aren't my own points. Jim, I was listening to Jim Zub talk about it, but it was this other idea. And I think we'd all come to it if we thought about it was this idea is that when you play digital versions of any of these things, they're great games, 
but typically you're playing their story for the most part. Very few of them are sandbox enough that it's your story. Whereas when you finally get to sit around the table or you're doing Roll20 or however you play your Dungeons and Dragons, you're playing a story that hasn't been written yet. You have the players, you have the pieces, even the dungeon master doesn't necessarily know where the story is going to go because that dice roll could change anything. And you don't have that necessarily in a computer game, which has a, a little bit more linear kind of storyline that you're playing. Still good, still valid, still fun to play, just a different experience. And I think those are the two that a lot of us are, are longing for that idea that we're creating a story together. And it's a story none of us know how it's going to actually end. We, we might have an idea, but anything could happen. A, a one could be rolled two, three times in a row and everything could change for what we thought it was going to do. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, super cool. And I agree. <laughs> so the other thing that I noticed, we saw um, some previews of the um, Season 9 Adventures League rules are out there for you to take a look at. Which will the be Shanker. Descent into Avernus, correct? That's Season 9? Yes, okay. I believe so. Yeah, um, because Saltmarsh, I believe, is an agnostic one. I think it works for any... So the adventures they put out for Adventure League right now are outside of the seasons. Um, and then Descent is the first season nine one. So they're calling, you know, seasons one through eight characters, or if you want to create a character that's going to play in, in that content, that you're basically creating what they call a legacy character. And then everything after that for the nine would be the, you know, a regular character at this point. Um, they had a nice infographic. Um, on the website where they talked about the differences between the two and the things that you could do or can't do depending on what season content you're playing. So I definitely recommend you go take a look at that. The things that stood out to me, and then you can definitely say whatever you thought was interesting there. Uh, Checkpoint XP is still there, but it's by objective. So we got that for the first time in season eight that we got the Checkpoint XP um, and I think that a lot of people liked it enough and they're going to stick with it in season nine. The difference being um, checkpoint XP was by hour you played in mm -hmm. season eight, whereas in season nine, it's by objective awarded in the adventure. So I, whoever's making the adventures are deciding if they've done this, you get a checkpoint point. If yep. you did this objective, you get a point. So I think that's pretty good because you can say, you know, maybe this adventure has five total possible objectives maybe a main objective that's worth two points but there's some tertiary things that you could do that might earn you some extra stuff whether you do it or not maybe that's how it's going to be i haven't seen their adventures yet for the season nine but i think that's kind of a cool way to do it not tie it necessarily to hours because sometimes we could do a shopping episode or we could do a very intense rp episode where we didn't get a lot done, but we had a lot of fun talking to NPCs and maybe it went on for longer than it needed to, but our group was just having a good time. Mm -hmm. We weren't necessarily earning arbitrary amounts of XP because we had a five-hour RP session. I think the idea is it's better to tie it to things getting done versus just amount of time or versus what did you kill, right? So I think we're definitely moving in the right direction for um, the type of XP that we're able to get now. The other thing that stood out to me, treasure checkpoints are still there, but that's a little bit different. That was a contentious point for season eight. If you go online and look at a lot of people talking about how that worked, um, that one is still, uh, or was in seasons eight was by hours you played. Um, but this one's going to be by story or bonus objective. And there is a cap that you can only earn so much and any that you would have earned past that is just not 
acquired. So they're trying to limit the amount that you could possibly earn during a session also. So they're keeping an eye on how much of that gold you're trying to earn. Um, other than that, uh, I noticed the, I'll let you bring up the point you, you added onto there because I think that's a good one too, which we get in season nine. So those are the things that stood out to me. What about you? What stood out to you as far as season nine? Additions? And I'll be honest, I skimmed this and I skimmed the players. I didn't skim the dungeon master one. Cause I was more curious about playing than being a dungeon master, but there is a special racial trait. So season nine characters created during the season nine receive the following racial traits and if you're a tiefling, um, at level five, you can replace the tiefling's infernal legacy trait with the winged trait from um, from Sword Coast Adventures Guide. So you can basically have a flying tiefling. And same with the Asimar, the fifth level, you can remove uh, certain traits to sprout feathery wings, which grant a fly speed of 30 feet. Um, and this doesn't count for your plus ones, for your player's handbook plus one. So I could be like Sword Coast or I could be uh sorry, let me think um, player's handbook and Xanathar's guide. And then I could be a flying tiefling from that or Asimar or something like that. And so um, I'm wondering, there must be something with the descent that deals with, with heights and not everybody has a climbing speed and things like that. And so they, they decided like, or maybe it's just finally time to, to introduce this. But I thought it was interesting that they were like, no, you can get this flying characters now. But they didn't say anything about Aarakocra. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Thoughts? Or am I reading this wrong? I'm confused. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think what they're going to, I think it's their first attempt to start adding in special things that are going to be season nine so that it stands out from say season 10, season 11 or season mm-hmm. 12. And they might do that by mixing around racial traits. They might be doing it with class things that could be, you know, just little things that make the season stand out as a modifier to the season. So it plays a little bit differently than the others. So I think that's kind of the first thing. Cause I did notice in the guide when it talked about characters that could fly, like it still says the same thing it said before in that AL player's guide. If I, if I bring it up real quick, it said, I'm pretty sure it said you couldn't do it. Yeah, uh, no, it, it did. But for season nine, you can get these seasonal racial racial traits. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just really interesting where it's like, I can't be an Eric Hokra, uh, mm-hmm. but I can be, I can get these at fifth at fifth level. I can do this. So there's something that happens at fifth level, but they don't want you playing um, an air croaker at level one that can fly. Yeah, so. yeah. No, races with flight at first level and options from any resources other than those listed above aren't available without specific campaign documentation. Yeah. Some season nine characters may develop wings after first level. See appendix. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, and Joel here says in the YouTube chat that air croaker are still only for special unlocks for GMs during certain events. Um, right. And that are... he also says that season eight uh, was by objective two. So uh, it, maybe, it and I mean, we haven't played season eight, so maybe was. we're wrong, but no, no, no we're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joel's Joel's half right. Cause there, you could have objectives that could award you treasure points, but you also went by time played also. Gotcha. You got both at the same time. Whereas now it looks like they're getting away from the time requirement in season nine and only sticking to objectives and story. Um, 
story points inside the module itself. So it's getting away from the, I spent four hours playing, so that gives me a half a point of a treasure or whatever it was. And looking at the graphic, it talks, you know, it's it doesn't say that you can't, seasonality doesn't retire any of your characters. You're not getting rid of them if you have a season one through eight. It just means it limits what rewards they can get from yeah. a storyline aspect because you can't use the storyline rewards of nine for those characters. So you can still play. really they're trying to stop you from taking magic items from Tomb of Annihilation and taking them into Waterdeep or or not Waterdeep but descent into Avernus, I guess, Avernus. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it says you can't earn magic item unlocks or story rewards from season 9, DDAL, DDEP or hardcovers. And the other X it says access to seasonal 9 racial unlocks. Other than that, you have a green thumb or you get all the other stuff. <laughs> So those yeah. are the only two things you're not getting by playing a legacy character in a in a you know descent to Avernus Adventure League adventure. So it's it's confusing. I think it's just because we're at a turnover point as the years go by. Maybe it'll become less confusing as they get down the process that they want. But again, I think the whole process is tough, anyways, because how do you create a system that lets you drop in, drop out with characters who are going to go from convention to convention to convention? make a rule set that works for that, but then also have that rule set make sense for the group that's just going to play every Friday night and they're just going to play Adventure League at their house or at their game store. And it's the same party. Nobody drops in or drops out. Nobody changes. That is very different, yet they're trying to build a, a, a tool set or a rule set that allows convention play and store play and mm. you know group play all work at the same time. So I think it's a tough... You know, it's tough for them to do it. I get, I wouldn't be able to figure it out any easier than they would, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Uh, nope, for sure. Um, and then coming up, uh, not next week, but the week after, we get the Acquisitions Incorporated book that comes out on uh, June 18th. So, 10 days from now. Yeah, 10 days, which is, uh, I said it again and I'll say, or I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's the book I didn't know I wanted, but I want more than any, any other book. Um, and there's going to be new uh i think they did they say races or jobs anyway definitely jobs there are jobs but uh you much if you've read ghosts of salt marsh they pretty much have a whole list of specs for here's your position on a boat and here's what you Mm -hmm. can do with your abilities as captain or as skipper i forget all of the different ones you can be um (laughs) and i they have a similar thing with acquisitions incorporated. So within the structure of ACK Inc, you can be the boss or you can be the subordinate or whatever else. And you get different mm-hmm. bonus, bo- uh, bonuses based on that, et cetera. So yeah. um, it's kind of similar. I think it's going to be really awesome. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. Super excited. So that'd be the 18th. Then the very next week after that, that's like a Wednesday, I think is the 18th when it drops at least midweek, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Then, the D&D Essentials should drop at Target on the 24th. And it's one thing I want to go out and get. I think it, they said it was $19.99 was going to be the price, so 20 bucks. I think I'm going to run out and grab that. Um, and I, I heard them say one more thing that was interesting to me with about D&D Essentials, which is kind of another box, beginner box set, is that they said when they designed Fandelver, they mostly thought of the Dungeon Master in mind and then letting the dungeon master present the game to new people, but also f- to help a new dungeon master. Mm-hmm. When they designed D and D Essentials, it was more player focused, 
and the dungeon master was an afterthought. So it's not so much a great box set for a brand new dungeon master as it was a great box set for a bunch of brand new players. Um, so I thought that was an interesting difference or, or at least a different focus on the way they wrote it. So I'm really curious to see what it is. I'm definitely going to pick it up on the 24th. Yeah. It sounds Chris Perkins adventure. It's awesome. Yeah. And I'm hoping that me and Jordan work out this. We'll play one-on-one because I think it'd be really cool to see how a one-on-one game. Yeah. We could definitely try that out. Um, yes. I'm, I've got a busy schedule, but I will, I will make time. <laughs> it's on tape. He can't back out. now. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be really fun so yeah so those are the big releases for june we do have some stuff coming up in july but i figured i would just put those in the july show notes so that when we see those popping up you will let you guys know of the new stuff that's coming so the couple of things so just recap ac ink book is coming we already got salt marshes out you can get it the variant cover i saw it at my game store is still there they still have some on the shelf or you can buy it um so uh, and I always want to say Secrets of Salt Marsh because that's just the way I always remember it. <laughs> Secrets of Salt Marsh. Acquisition Inc. And we get a D&D Essentials box set all in June. So it's been going to be a good month for June for Dungeons. For sure. Other than that, um, mine was, I'll let you go. I mean, I like to figure out what, what happened with Jordan's playing the Salt Marsh. Yep, running it. Module. So let's let's hear how all that went. Um, well, so I think last time we talked, uh, I almost killed my players, um, because level they were level ones. one. Yeah. And it reminds me again that I just never want to start at level one, level, level three, level two seems like, okay, but like level one, cause you, you get from level one to level two so quickly. It's almost mm-hmm. like, why did we even start you at level one? So if you're, if you have experienced players, I think I'm always just going to start at level two, even though it's a level one adventure, it just kind of doesn't make sense to me, but I don't know. So they are level two and decided to, uh, they were stuck in a basement and they decided to explore the rest of the house. Um, and they, they kind of like got off track a little bit. And I had to remind them that I'm like, you're not here to just like destroy skeletons and, and things like that. Like there, there's rumors that there's like bandits and stuff that are using this as a hideout. So you're, you need to explore and you need to investigate rooms. And you need to look for clues. And they were like, Oh, Okay. Um, and there was somebody that I was talking to a couple of days ago that's running this too. And they, they were, I, I asked them like, what did you think of, uh, the sinister secret of salt marsh, which is the first little bit. And she was saying that she's like, it's kind of like Scooby-Doo. Like we're kind of like, like we're investigating a ghost house, but we're all really weak and level one and level two. And so we don't really know what's happening. And it's like, Whoa, there's, there's spiders <laughs> in the fireplace. Oh no. And like running down hallways and stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Um, yeah. And so it's a, it's our Scooby-Doo campaign, but um, they're having fun. They ended up uh, exploring some more and um, found some of these bandits that they're looking for. And uh hilarity ensued with that and now we ended with them taking a short rest and i have the difficult position as a dungeon master where do i say that the monsters are right around the corner and walk in on them on their short rest or do i give them their hour and say that these guys were also preoccupied with something level ones boy well now they're level two they are level two right now because we our last session we played their level two but i'm like what what do we do yeah i don't know i was in a tough situation i'm still in a tough situation because we're gonna play in a couple weeks and i need to 
come up with we let that, the dice gods decide i guess i could yeah and just be like do they hear you kind of like roll perception checks and maybe that's what i'll do but they're they're hurting right now which is why they took a short rest they wanted to spend some of their hit dice and mm-hmm. try to like heal up a little bit so i don't know if i'm gonna let the i haven't decided yet so we'll see but that <laughs> that's what i'm doing and then um yeah still playing my warforged game which is the one i'm playing today and that one's been a lot of fun and we're just kind of plucking along uh it it's hard to really talk about that one because we're there's a whole bunch of stuff that even i'm kind of confused about (laughs) but but there there's like evil drow and they're using these weird books to reanimate the dead and we ended up fighting a dragon and things like that um one thing that came away from the last session that we played is uh one of our our warlock has a spell called I think it's called delay death and it's from a third party supplement. So they bought some of these third party supplements from the DMs guild and they've incorporated these spells into their campaign. But what it does is it stops you um, from dying. Basically when you get, when you go to zero hit points, you're still conscious and you're still able to like function and um, you don't outright die unless you take, unless you follow that rule where if you take your exact hit points of damage when you're at zero, then you just outright die. And I was talking to them and they originally thought that it was balanced because they thought like, well, when you're level four and you use this and you've got like 20 hit points, it seems really easy for a monster to be able to do 20 hit points to you and just kill you outright. So there's this danger threshold, but what I was telling them is that I feel like it gives you, it doesn't give you, temporary hit points quote temporary hit points but it does give you this buffer of now you're now you're level nine you've got 56 hit points not a lot of monsters are doing 56 hit points worth of damage in one shot so you're basically like oh you took 20 now you're back to zero. Oh, you took 30 now you're back to zero so you have this weird buffer of like 50 and i was telling them i'm like guys i think it's broken like i don't want to be like this, you know, you're on my team, like we're all on the same team. And But if, if I was running this game, I would not allow this spell because it just mm-hmm. seems really broken. So the compromise that they've done is now it's going to, because the, the Warlock really likes to spell and it's the other Dungeon Master's game. So he can run his game however he wants ultimately. But um, they were, we were talking about it and I think they're going to do that it requires concentration now. So now if they lose concentration, the guy just drops immediately to like unconscious. And I was like, okay, that seems a little better because before it was like, he was casting it on like two or three people and just people weren't dying. And our warlock ended up being the tank because he just couldn't die. And I, my Warforged with 22 AC doesn't get hit at all because they're all going after this warlock. I don't know. So, but do you uh, allow third-party stuff like that? Have you ever done uh, other magic items or, or spells or things like that? Well, of course, because I allow strongholds and followers, which oh, I love go. from Matt Coville. <laughs> and it's a lot of stuff in there. But he does a really good job in the very beginning of the book, right towards the first couple of pages, that says, this could unbalance your campaign. The stuff we put in here is powerful. Mm-hmm. It gives them some really big bonuses and you do need to make adjustments to make it work in your campaign. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm pretty careful about what I add. Um, Many of the games I've run, I try to run pretty vanilla because if I'm going to put them online, I want people to be able to see what the vanilla game is without it being just 
crazily hacked into something different. Right. Though I do like, you know, the addition of different classes or rules that maybe they don't have yet. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I was thinking about what you said there is that the other problem I see with that spell, one, it can be cast on more than one person. The minute you said that, that sounds way broken to me. <laughs> Number two, most dungeon masters won't run monsters when they hit somebody and they're at zero to continue hitting them when they go unconscious. So they mm-hmm. stay unconscious for their death saves but you're pulling out the whole death save mechanic. You're pulling out the yeah. whole the player goes down mechanic. I don't know why you would want to do that. I don't know why it's almost like the character can't go unconscious at that point from taking severe. No, that's exactly what the spell is. You don't go unconscious mm-hmm. when you get to zero hit points, you just stay at zero and you're able to still function and move around. But like, I don't know. And, and then the rule th- that they it seems like there needs says, to be a negative there and there's just, nothing but positives yeah. with this spell yeah. <laughs> and and because you take out that part what balance that was um what balances death saves you go unconscious and you get three death saves you roll a one you come back up to one hit point is this idea that um if you take a single blow that's more than your hit points then that's your autumn you've taken so much damage to your death right so that rule works well when it's connected with three death saves possible one brings you up or fails make you die Mm -hmm. if you take that piece out then i think you have to modify this piece which says i think you have to make all that damage accumulative so if they get hit by two or three attacks all that should add up and if that gets higher than a certain number and it probably shouldn't be their total once again per round it should be once that hits once you get that much you're dead dead Mm -hmm. no death saves Mm -hmm. no bringing you back you know, type thing, if, if they want to put that type of danger in. So it sounds or, like either... Or keep the death saves in, and you can get hit three times, and then you're dead. Yeah. You know? I would have to read how they're playing it, because maybe they've read it and didn't even play it right in the first place. No, I think maybe they are. I think it's once. just a broken spell, but... <laughs> yeah, or it could be just broken, but yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that sounds way, way kind of out of line to me. Like, your warlock can't stand in front and just take a hit after hit after hit but continue to return to zero hit points and still function. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, well, and I'm curious to see going forward, we're going to play tonight if this concentration means that it, that it works out a little better. But and how long does the spell last? I think a minute. Like. 10 rounds of combat. Yeah. Woo. That's way, I can't believe anybody didn't see that that was broken. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's third-party stuff. Like, people now are just trying to sell it. books, you know? Yeah, and so I they'll put anything it. in it. And, and I, I look at that, and I'm just like, nobody play-tested this, but uh, I don't Do know. You know and I, I, I don't know what supplement it's from, and I don't want to, like, oh, okay. poo-poo on their stuff, because they probably <laughs> have other awesome things. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's just something that I was like, yeah, I don't think I'd allow this at my table, but that's just Jordan, so... <clears throat> Well, even to say that, um, I also used on mine Gods and Goddesses from Jetpack 7, put mm-hmm. out a book that has some extra Gods and Goddesses. In it, you can be a paladin or a cleric of them, and you get some other stuff if you choose to be a paladin or a cleric. And some of those were pretty on the strong side also. So when I let my players use them, uh, we, me and the player talk through it and say, okay, this is what I think the rule does, even before we get into combat, even before we kind of talk it out and say, this is what I think it's supposed to do. This is how I think you're supposed to be using it. If at some point you find some combination that's just going to break this, like 
you find something we're not thinking about, we have to be ready to adjust. Because I want their buy-in to say, right, if it's going to unbalance things, but we don't find out about it until we're 10 sessions in or until we're 12th level, and then we realize why it's going to be broken, I want them already to have agreed back when we said we're going to use it. Oh, yeah, if it starts to break the game, we're going to make a change. So just I'll let you use it. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. But if it starts to break the game, we need to come up with a better a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what they said. The Dungeon Master said, well, we were going to let you have this spell, but we need to play test it and see if it works. And now adding concentration is the one where we're going to now we're going to play it again and see if that makes it a little more balanced. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not my game. So I'm just kind of like, well, if you want my input, I'll give you my input, but (laughs) ultimately whatever you want to do in your game. That's the funny thing, Jordan, that you keep saying, it's not my game, but it is your game. Well, yeah. The players who play in the game are as much, um, allowed to decide what rules we're going to play on as the dungeon master. Sometimes we always think it's the dungeon master who makes those decisions. Everybody has to follow it. But in reality, we all decide what rules we're going to play by and how we're going to play by them. And we should all be agreeing to the rules that we play by. So I really think, and I agree it's really good that you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, I know you don't not, want to step on another like, dungeon master game. Yeah. I guess yeah. That. At the same time, I, I, and I just want to point this out. Like, it's not like if all like we'll use this spell, for example, and let's say all four players are just like, we like this spell and the dungeon master is like, well, I don't, I think it's broken. Ultimately, the dungeon master has the rule of saying, I don't want this broken spell in my game, even though all four, the majority of the quote players at the table wanted this spell, you know, and so that's why I keep saying it's like, well, it's, you know, Nathan's game. If he wants to run that, he can run that. So, yeah. Yeah. I just think we, yeah, I don't think we need to keep going into it. Yeah, yeah no, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we, what did, what did you do in games? That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, what did I do? <laughs> well, I restarted my uh, Seeking Revenor game because we switched it from the West Marches style, which was a game where we tried to make every session end the same night. So if they went out, they did something, they did something cool, they made it back to town. That same night, I could mix and match players, which allowed me to bring other players in who couldn't make it. So then we had lots of different groups going out. I could run multiple groups during the week and they could all affect the same world. So it's all kinds of cool things that make sense, but it's also all kinds of restrictions that start to happen when you do play that style. Um, And so a lot of times the adventures you're creating, if you're only going to do a three hour session, you can only really get so much done. You can't do a four layer dungeon. Mm -hmm if you're going to send them back to town by the end of the night. And the reason you do that is because somebody might not make it next week. So we could bring a different player in and it all makes sense in the, the, the narrative of it. So we did that for a while. I liked it. I think we played a really good um, set of games that way. And I think the system worked and could continue to work. The reason I switched it was I'm playing in a Wednesday and a Thursday night game. And now I'm going to run the Monday night game for mine that style, that West March's style game works the best when you can run multiple games during the week. But now if I'm playing in two and I'm running one, I'm running out of days and time to actually play more than one game or, or host more than one game. So it didn't make sense to stay with the West March's style. I love that I tried it out. I think all the players in the community that helped us play it, we've created a really cool story on the server and we're still following it. Like, so there's a group of players that are going to continue on. We had a big climactic 
opening scene with a dragon attacking Port Bastion and a new player coming in on the sea who had just gotten there and their ship gets set on fire. And we have a, a powerful mage blast the dragon to, to drive it away. We have a mystery of why all of a sudden the dragon knows that Port Bastion's there when all this other time um, we've set up in the narrative that the dragon would fly over but never seemed to notice Port Bastion was there. There was something keeping the creatures in the surrounding area from knowing that there's this community building up. So they weren't being attacked, but something happened that's changed. And that's where the storyline's going from there. And we're going to have a nice party viewpoint of that moving forward to see where this goes. And it's a really fun thing that, cause I feel like our community, all, most of the players that were in it came from the Saturday morning D and D show community. So there were many people in there that helped create some of the storyline that we've, that we have right now. And so it's kind of cool to keep following that on and keep pushing it. So it was really fun. Um, the big thing is now it's back to a regular campaign. So it's we started a fight and we ended because it was 11 o'clock. Um, I did put the recording up so people can go watch it. We'll start hosting it live again on my channel pretty quick here. Um, but they we were two rounds into the combat, but it was time to stop the session. So we said, OK, we'll pick up next week right back here, which is really cool. So we can continue that that combat and see where this group goes. I think we're going to have a, a really good time. I think the big thing I'm learning from it is the different styles of Dungeons & Dragons you can play also can vary depending on the amount of time you have to play. I've been talking to a lot of other people like recently where we're kind of like nostalgically talking about how we used to play games or how we used to get together. And it, we really came from, and I wonder if this was true for you too, we came from this idea of, we might not get to play every single week, but maybe we played every two weeks or every three weeks, but we played for much longer time. So it was like the, a lot of the people I'm talking about, they were like, we played for six, seven or eight hours. So they got a ton done when they did get together, though they didn't get together as often. Whereas now the, the types of games I play, we're getting together often, but it's shorter periods. So it really is affecting the types of games we play and how we play them. So I was just wondering, like, for your groups and the way you've played over the last, you know, however many years, has that changed for you? Are you playing shorter sessions? Are you playing longer sessions? Do we know what how long your sessions? I think we – have we ever even mentioned how long is your Sunday game or how long was oh, your Saturday it, game? Yeah, two to three hours is what we usually play um, with probably – more more often than not if you if you count actually like just goofing off and chatting with each other about like hey how are you mm -hmm. doing we actually only really play for two maybe two and a half hours um, okay so pretty short so there are they are pretty short and i would actually like to play longer but um mm -hmm. i understand that some of my players like it's we play on wednesdays and by the time my players can get to my house at six thirty, we only really play till nine because they have to go home and put their kids to bed and do a bunch of other like they they're just busy people um and on the weekends we play for usually three hours sometimes three and a half hours uh, because we have a little more flexibility to play on and on the weekends but um, ultimately that was set by my players. Like I was like, I'd love to play four to five hour games, honestly. Cause I, I just like D and D and I wouldn't mind, but they, um, get a little burnt out after like three hours, I think. And so we played, so have you always played that length of a session or was there a time where you did play longer sessions? No, it's always been that. And like, oh, interesting. and even okay. if we, even if we didn't play for three weeks, like nobody wants to play for eight hours to try and like catch up. 
Um, so we only ever play for, <laughs> well, the, the of my players. Sorry. Right, right. <laughs> uh, present company excluded. So, right. yeah. So, yeah, that's what's interesting to me because we used yeah, to play long sessions, mm-hmm. but less often, like we were saying. So you could get through like a whole adventure booklet in the the Saturday that you played. So like when you were buying those old adventures and you were going to play through one of them, you were able to play through one of them in one sit down. Now it was a long session and you ordered pizza midway or you got food and there was a lot of other stuff going on and we took breaks and stuff, but it definitely was like a full day event. Whereas now it feels like I'm trying to fit it in like after work, like you're saying. So, you know, we meet up at eight 30 at night so everybody can put their kids in bed. They're all done, but we don't want to play past 11 or 12 because most of us got to get up early in the morning to go to work. So I really, right now I'm getting about that two and a half to three hour session also in most of my game playing. But I, I feel like I miss a little bit, those big long sessions um i'd love to have like a birthday and maybe we should do something like this online where it's like hey it's jordan's birthday we're gonna play D &D for like a marathon seven hours or something yeah like that could be a lot of fun yeah just set we used to do it with land games right we used to say hey everybody bring your computers over we're gonna set up a little land in our Mm -hmm. living room and we're gonna play starcraft against you there and we'd play the whole weekend and then everybody go go away i wonder if i should try it like you said host that or try something like that with D where we play a nice big long dungeons and dragons because really think about what that means is all of your dungeon mastering skills all of your ability to run a game is based around a three-hour slot at this point it changes when all of a sudden you need a six-hour slot or you need an eight-hour slot to fill up what you're going to do in your campaign that's a lot different so i wonder too if you know practicing that or trying to play that would be interesting and would give us different dm skills that maybe we haven't really been using as much because we've been doing shorter session twitch style session um youtube style sessions or kind of like i think even critical role plays do they play for three hours or they play for four critical role they usually play for three and a half to four hours so three and a half to four so theirs is a long game really i mean that's interesting all right. Well, that was that was the big thing that I thought would be interesting to think about. And maybe we could try in the future also a nice marathon set of games would be fun. Um, I want to do the one on one at some point. I think that'd be cool. But I'm having a lot of fun with all of the games we're playing Wednesday and Thursday did get rescheduled. So I did not play Tomb of Annihilation. I did not play um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, though. I'm excited to get back to them. Uh, the Artificer, they had more Q&A on the Artificer this week, though. They spent most of the episode talking about Bart Carroll's uh, birthday, which was kind of funny, but it, it it ate up a lot of their time to talk about the Artificer. But they did go back into the Artificer and answer some more questions. It sounds like here's something that they kind of said towards the end that you may not have caught. The Humunculus may not make it. Yeah, I saw that. Mm, and so, I like that a lot. I'm really upset. For those of you who have not filled out the survey, but you like the homunculus, homunculus maybe you yeah. could fill out a survey and say how much you like it to maybe change their mind because it might not show up in the next edition based on the other the other subclasses that they that got were more popular. So fill out that survey if you haven't um, and tell them what you think. So I think that's pretty cool. So I think that was about it for my game playing. Um, nice. I'm excited for the upcoming week. Um, I think we're going to, we'll be playing on Monday night and then we'll see if uh, I think, I think we're playing Wednesday and Thursday, but we'll see if not, then I'm going to be out at my pool, hanging out, doing some swimming. Cause it's been pretty cool. Um, in fact, right after this, cause it's so hot in here from my 
my studio lights and everything, I'm going to go take a swim. So that's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. What about um, ending I'm our playing... show, Jordan? What? What about ending the show? Are we what ready about ending to the end show? This? Well, really quick, I wanted to say that uh, Skull Dixon pointed out that he th- we think this spell is from Frog God Games' 5e book called Book of Lost huh. Spells. And I, I actually own that PDF, so I looked it up. And Delay Death is in there. But the way it's worded is that a creature still makes death saving throws if it gets attacked. So yeah. if you get attacked, and if you make three of them, you just automatically fall. Um, so, But you don't automatically fail death saving throws when you take damage. But you still have to make a death save every time you take damage. So to me, um, the, de- the, the so, death save mechanic stays. Yeah. And, and that's what we haven't been playing with. So I don't know if it's from this book or from a different one, but um, I'm going to check today because I'm curious and I'll have a follow-up since this was really interesting. People were really interested in this spell. Um, I will I will have a follow-up and we'll check it out for yeah. And it's time. not, like you so. said, it's not to bag on somebody's third party. No. They may have created something that is pretty powerful. I love Book of Lost Spells, beginning, yeah. They may say, hey, this stuff's pretty powerful. Be sure you're ready for it because they probably say that in the book. I just think it was interesting to look into the mechanic that yep. it's an interesting discussion. Yep. Other than that, I am playing today at um, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Greyhawk channel. If you want to come watch me flail around with my poor uh, role-playing skills, I will be there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and with that, I think we're done. I should probably... You have a voice? You can do a voice? I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm debating. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm debating. I'm debating <laughs> if I... Because I made my character like 25 years old, and I'm like, what if I make him like 80? That sounds fun. Maybe I'll be an 80-year-old cleric who's just like, oh, St. Cuthbert. But <laughs> Cuthbert. Cuthbert's so good. That's so iconic, Greyhawk, too. Yeah. It's going to be That's fun. So, um, so anyway, yeah, with that, we will see you guys next week with another episode of the... Well, maybe we'll see you next week. Uh, Lucian might not be here, so stay tuned. Oh, we'll right. see. Yeah. But uh, maybe I'll find a, a guest host or something. Um, but anyway, with that, we'll see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.